With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. Bit of a controversial one tonight. You will have seen strange structures in the woods that are presented as Bigfoot dens and Sasquatch hooks and dogmen birthing circles and lots of bushcraft and foraging techniques are often mistaken by people not used to being in a woodland setting. As we know, there is a large debate on whether the strange structures we find in the woods are made by Sasquatch or Bigfoot-type creatures, or if they're man-made or caused by the elements. I would honestly say 95% of the structures that I'm sent each week are just that. They're man-made, or they're made by natural erosion or a weather event. But that still leaves 5% of the who-built-this-and-why anomaly that are out there to be considered. So I wanted to see how many reported cryptid cases happen in an area where these strange structures are found in order to see if there was any correlation between the two. Thetford Forest is a very good example of this. Where we have a large amount of cryptid cases, we get a lot of reports of these strange structures that you could all considered to be lean-tos in a way. They're always sticks that are leaning onto a tree. And then we get these large X's and sometimes what we call the TP. And the TP structures are strangely normally found in areas of um, energy. And if you're using an EMF meter or your mobile phone, you can actually test that energy. In the UK, we're in a lucky position in the fact that one such structure was photographed by the police in the 1800s which can be matched to the structures we find today. Let's look at some reports of Bigfoot or dogman-like creatures that are seen in areas where these structures are found. Our first report comes from Yorkshire in an area well known to the UK public, the bleak and lonely Yorkshire moors. Ilkley Moor is just one of 14 moors which join together to form the larger Rumbles Moor. The moors are full of history and they have a large concentration of cup and ring mark stones dating all the way back to the Neolithic period. The moor also has its own stone circle called the Twelve Apostles. Now there was a report of a Bigfoot on Ilkley Moor in 1998. Roger Willemson, renowned ufologist and local historian, said he had an encounter with the beast while walking along the edges of Ilkley Moor in Yorkshire. In his words, he encountered a fiend. The creature stood at least two heads taller than him, 
and it was blocking his path while beating its hairy chest with such ferociousness, clumps of hair flew in all directions. Willemson said the next thing he remembers is being trapped inside a twig and bark hut of some crude design. His words, not mine. Over the next several hours, he was tormented by the wild beast as it poked him with sticks and mud was slung at him and he reported being cold and wet. Upon his release, he immediately notified the press about his strange abduction at the hands of what he called the Ilklymore Bigfoot. Now, I did find the description of the hut interesting, as it sounds very similar to some of our woodland finds. Early humans also made shelters like this. In fact, Heidelrubigensis were known for their skills at shelter building. Is there still a wild tribe of ancient folk living out there elusive without us knowing? The moors around Ilkley were once inhabited by prehistoric communities, as is evident from the thousands of flint finds, cup and ring markings and old hut outlines. There are those who claim to have had a closer encounter with these ancient beings than most folk. One such man was Nicholas Size, whose story was published by W.M. Walker in 1934 under the title The Haunted Moor. One evening, Nicholas was walking over the moors from Bingley to Ilkley, passing a start location known as the Place of Horror. He heard a chilling groaning and sobbing. On closer investigation, he was shocked to see, hanging from crosses and broken trees, were bodies in the throes of agonising death. Within minutes, the hallucination faded and he hurried home. A few days later, in need of reinsurance, he took a friend to the site, but there was no evidence to suggest that the ghastly incident has taken place. Instead of dismissing the episode, his companion told Nicholas there were many tales that the moor was haunted and that crosses had been erected near to where the ancient grass track crossed the Keeley Road. It was possible he'd witnessed executions carried out by the Druids and it's believed such killings and sacrifices took place on the moors above Belden and Ilkley. Nicholas often visited stone circles that were scattered over the moorland. One June evening, he heard voices singing and at intervals, a sinister howling and he realised it was coming from a procession of ghostly figures crossing the Dick Hudson track. They were warriors and they were armed with spears, axes and bows. Women hurried along beside them. Their long hair streamed behind them. Nicholas crept forward and noticed a group of about 20 men in white carrying long bundles, shoulder high on some poles. The bundles were bodies, human sacrifices. Nicholas followed them and the crowd gathered around and the chanting stopped just before sunrise. The signal for the poor victims to be attacked with hatchets and knives. Then the gathering vanished as if the experience was a nightmare with no sign that anything had happened. Nicholas reported witnessing other sacrificial horrors on the moor, including a wicker cage that was filled with screaming children. Of course, this is not the only strange tale to be told about that moor. In eight, no, 1987, Philip Spencer was taking a walk across the moor on the morning of the 1st of December. He was going to visit his father-in-law. 
and it was a walk he'd done many times before. And that morning, he'd taken his camera, as he liked to take pictures of the landscape in the early morning light. As is often the case at that time of year, a mist hung over the moor, making navigation more difficult. And it was then that Mr Spencer saw a being standing in the midst. At first, thinking it was another walker, he waited. But on approaching, he realised it was something unnatural and strange. The creature was waving an arm and apparently gesturing for him not to approach. He managed to take a picture, and that's the picture you're seeing now. And if you're listening on the podcast, there's a link to this episode on YouTube so that you can see the image as well. Mr Spencer, who's an ex-policeman, tried to follow the creature, but he then caught a glimpse of a craft with a dome top that was rising into the sky and disappearing into a distance. When Mr Spencer eventually reached his father-in-law's house, he was visibly shaken. The village clock and all the clocks in the house were an hour ahead of his own watch, leading him to believe that he'd possibly been the victim of an alien abduction. The image which Philip Spencer took appears to show a slightly blurred four-foot alien-like creature. Now, the image has been analysed hundreds of times and experts conclude that the figure has not been superimposed and it shows no resemblance to any local wildlife. Sadly, Mr Spencer was in too much of a shock to get a picture of the domed flying machine. I mean, I've got to be honest, I don't know what to say about that picture really. It doesn't... I don't know. I'll leave it up to you guys to decide. This sighting is just one of many reported UFO sightings in the area. Many seeming to happen near the previously mentioned the 12 Apostle Stone Circle. Another lonely moor known for its mystery beasts is Dartmoor. And we go to the Wisman's Wood area. In the 1990s, a witness said... Westman's Woods on Dartmoor is a very nice place to visit. Many years ago, I learned that Dartmoor was an originally covered in miniature oaks, which brought me to... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Research the area itself. 
as an avid fan of the unknown, I started looking and researching what would be making these weird kind of things that I was finding. I made many camping trips there as a young lad. I used to find strange structures made from rock and wood. For example, a design like a mound in grave or lean-tos and also trees bent to form a large X. I've also been and looked around the caves in and around Wisman's Wood. I didn't stay in them for very long as it felt like I was being watched. Later in life, I started to think about these things and I read reports on forums and web pages about wild men living on the moorland. Some people call them Bigfoot, others call them wild men. Many people think of me and others that research this, or even someone who's had an encounter as raving mad. As a child and a teenager, I've had many dealings with strange going on on Dartmoor. I've seen things I can't explain. I also feel like I'm being watched constantly in certain areas, and the feeling of something being near to me comes in waves. Dartmoor is a very wild place and could hold more than the big cats and the wild beasts that are seen there. You never know who or what is out there, he said. Now, I think the witness in our next case would agree with the sentiment of you never know what's out there. In 1991 on Dartmoor, a chap said, I was on Dartmoor in the small hours. I recall being sat with a girl I was sort of seeing at the time and we were located at the back of some public toilets and before us about 200 metres plus away was a lake. As we were sitting having a smoke, I noticed a shape moving around down at what I believed to be the lake shore. And it was night, but the moon was so bright you could make out shapes and form, but not features. Anyway, my brain first kicked in as to the fact that it must be a diver. But it was late to be out diving. And then I realised that this person had no lights about them to see where they were headed or if they'd been diving to see underwater. The farm was definitely walking on two legs. That was apparent by the way it moved. But it was silhouetted against the lake, so I could not make out any features. Being the inquisitive creatures that we are, I began to move towards a shape. And then I realised I had no idea whoever or whatever this was, and that was perhaps it was not the best idea to approach them in the dark. The farm was standing still, I assumed at or near the lake shore, and it seemed to be moving, slowly, not towards us, but diagonally away to our left. When the girl I was with suggested we should go and find somewhere else to park, I agreed that that was a damn good idea. The farm itself was bulky, but as to actual height, I couldn't say. I just got the feeling that it was large. The thought occurred to me as we were leaving the area in my friend's car that it was maybe a Bigfoot, like you see on TV. That's all my mind could relate it to. After ticking off the other options, like an escape prisoner from Dartmoor or something, there were no reports from around the time. It's also rare to see a diver at that time of night out there with no lights. There was no other car in the small car park either, which also negated the possibility that it was another courting couple or someone out for a walk. There was another couple with us that night, but they remained in and around the car. And besides, 
neither like the farm that we saw witness John Cameron. I noticed in the cases we've discussed all took place in the 90s. Back then, the UK did not really have investigators out looking for evidence of fines of Bigfoot, as most of us in the UK thought that encounters with Bigfoot or Sasquatch was something that didn't happen here. Bigfoot was not a household name, and the reports of wild folk or cavemen were few and far between. I suspect so many have been lost in time, unreported, untold, or reported to the paranormal or UFO groups, as there was no reporting site for this kind of experience back then. Yet all these years later, people still struggle to come to terms with the fact that many people not only see them, but they make the reports and they actively look for them or signs that they may leave behind. To be honest, most folk who make reports are out with the dog. They're not intrepid investigators. They're not the ones out in the wilds all the time. This happens time and time again, here in the UK and worldwide. Our next reports are a very good example of this. September 2016, this happened in Chillum. This happened in the woods just south of east of the village where I live. The other day I was walking my dog when I came upon a clearing with a number of hut-like structures, but I didn't have my phone to take any pictures. Everything was fine on the walk until I set off on the way out. I heard a very clear wood knock coming from deeper in, though not from where the structures were. Some minutes later, I heard a weird mumbling coming from the same area that freaked me out enough that I got out the hell out of there and haven't been back with the dog since. The second weird event happened the other night when me and my mother were sitting out in our garden by the fire. Coming from the direction of the same forest, we heard screaming. I've lived my whole life in the countryside, so I know what a fox or an owl sounds like, and I've never heard something screaming like that before. Just one year later, in another area of the UK, a man walking his dog made this report. I'd like some advice on an incident that happened earlier in the summer to me and my wife, 2017. It was around 9.15 in the evening, lovely summer's night, I'm not 100%, but I think it was late July, early August. We're lucky in that we have quite a lot of small woodlands in the area. If you Google Southray in Lincolnshire, you'll see. My wife and I have been for a walk with a dog. We parked the car just off the road that heads to Bardner. You can walk just inside the woods until you come to the farmland on the opposite side. We followed the perimeter of the woods for a while until we came to a small opening. And then we took the path to the left until it turned right and it was slightly overgrown and hard to get into. As we started back, we were just walking along, chatting, when we heard something to our left inside the tree line, where the rough area is, and it seemed to be walking with us, keeping pace with us. When we stopped, it stopped. It sounded as if it was not that far in there. We carried on, and by now my wife picked the dog up, and started walking back to the car, she was so spooked. I walked slowly up the path, and I knew there was definitely something in there watching us. Although I couldn't see it, I knew it wasn't a deer. On the 6th of November 2017, he said, I went back to the place we originally went to, but I couldn't find the exact spot. 
because it had changed so much. I couldn't make anything out. It looked so different in autumn. A lot of stuff had died down, trying to match the trees was a nightmare. Now, the farmland surrounding the woods um, is an area of SSI uh, because there's ancient streams, hedges, ditches. It supports scarce species of wildlife here in the UK. Like the woods, the network of habitats were fragmented, so they're kind of split up in long green corridors, as we would call them. Earlier, I mentioned a police photograph, and you saw it, that was published in the 1800s. And he'd been able to find some structures sent to me that are almost exactly the same as the supposed hut from all those years ago. And I'm sure many big fat enthusiasts will recognise the structure in the image. A big foot in Derbyshire, England. This report came from an early magazine in the 1920s. And in the Victorian era and Friday in spring, some young ladies were enjoying the delights of a round of golf on the Bakewell links and they were daughters of a prominent resident. Now, there have been hints over time that the ladies were from Chatsworth House, although it's mere speculation as the name of the estate was removed from the report. So the fine ladies in question were playing golf and they were standing at the top of the slope close to the wood line and the rough. And at once, they all stopped suddenly and stared in amazement towards the dense foliage next to the course. When they all screamed an alarm, they turned about quickly and ran as fast as they could down the slope. Whatever could have happened to young ladies and her friends to forget all modesty and run screaming with their skirts aloft like fishwives down the hill. To the ladies' horror emerging from the woodline came the appearance of an extraordinary apparition. Bursting suddenly through the undergrowth came a man, or something resembling a man. His clothing, if indeed it could be regarded as clothing, was of the most meagre description, and he was the most eccentric character. His apparel, consisting solely of a tattered shirt in rags, and boots in an ancient size that no longer fit. In fact, he was now struggling to walk in them. And from under his shaggy brows, his eyes glistened, as the weird being advanced with leaps and bounds in their direction. Oh, I absolutely love the flowery language. The cries he admitted were strange noises, which increased the ladies' terror a hundredfold. As down the slope they fled helter-skelter, stumbling over the broken strewn ground, slipping, falling and rising again, paying little heed to the scratches and bruises they received. Their only idea was to get as far away from this horrid specimen as possible. It was at this point that the creature and wild man seemed to realise the fright he was causing and he pulled up in his chase and he plunged back into the dark depths of the woods, still howling and grunting. Of course, the news of this exciting experience was soon brought to Bakewell, whence it travelled via tongue in the press far and wide and over the land. Headlines screamed a wild man in the woods, a real living, breathing, dancing wild man. Well, this was too much for the Bakewell residents when the whole place was stirred to its depths and almost its entire male, able-bodied, active population rose as one man and pressing into service a variety of weapons set out in a team of 60, some holding blunderbusses as they went in search of the wild man. Well, it seems the butcher, the baker and the candlestick maker all joined in 
and they started by spreading out as they beat the woods and countryside for miles around. But alas, no mild men were flushed or appeared. So as evening drew near on this eventful day, many of the search party gave up the search and would start again tomorrow. It seems some of the more ardent spirits formed themselves into a small watch party and equipping themselves with lights, crept out over the woods throughout the hours of darkness until morning. On returning, the only news they had to report was that they'd seen a flickering light in the remote depths of the woods that moved about like Will-o'-the-Wisp, as though the hunted wild man might be in direct contact with the devil himself. Some of the more daring news volunteered to pursue the mystery light when next it should be seen. But to their great sadness, nothing tangible resulted from the quest. On the morning of the next Saturday, the search was continued, and for the first time, the police also joined in searching for him. And as the wild man hunting happened out in the woods, Superintendent Blake was seated in his office studying some documents when a small boy burst in through the door and clapped, saying, Only wild man, before running out of breath. The superintendent spoke softly to the boy, and these are the memorable words that he said. A wild man, sir, in the wood, all shirt and boots and hat and long hair, and he dances and makes funny noises. The policeman summoned a subordinate and they conferred together, extracting as much of intelligence from their juvenile informant as their astuteness could drive. My goodness. The mysterious individual was not to be so easily dismissed and he even had the effrontery to pay a return visit to the golf links where he again startled some ladies with his appearance and incomprehensible antics. This time, the terrified ladies straight away reported the matter to the club and two male members set off after the wild man. In pursuit, pushing into the woods, they were lucky enough to catch a good view of the mysterious stranger. They gave chase as fast as the numerous obstacles would allow and they noticed that he was spry and quick and although the golfers exerted themselves to the utmost of their abilities, they failed to overtake the fugitive or to even catch up. They said he scaled precipitous slopes with almost superhuman speed and scouring the undergrowth with ease. He climbed trees and swung himself from branch to branch and from tree to tree with the agility of a monkey, while his pursuers looked on amazed at this creature with his tangled masses of hair clambering swiftly through the almost impenetrable recesses of the wood. Needless to say, he was outdistanced his pursuers by a long chalk and the male gonfers returned to the village pondering over what they had seen. That week, the wild man made repeated appearances in various parts of the Peak District. For instance, one man saw him indulging in a sleep on the banks of the river and promptly reported the fact. If he noticed that he'd been seen, however, he would retreat to the woods. He was never violent and he was always run away. And he was once seen again by a tradesman who surprised the strange creature, enjoying a dip in the water. But again, the wild man ran away. He went back into the woods. It's very clear he was no ordinary tramp, 
as he seemed to be bathing and trying to keep himself clean. Um, until one local farmer discovered him taking his bath in the reservoir, which supplies the village with water. And then the town then considered this level of cleanliness had gone way too far. At night, it was said his flickering lights could be seen on the highest point of the peaks. A fire may be kindled by the wild man for his personal comfort. Or were those lights ghost lights seen by the youths on the initial search? The police thoroughly searched the woods as far as they could and they kept watch during the night hours and they were eventually rewarded by the discoverer of a crude hut-like structure. The shanter was constructed of the branches of trees and bracken, which grows in great profusion in these parts, and it was sheltered from the wind by a stone wall. Was it a misdirection that the lights had been first seen moving around the woods? But since then, fires had been noticed much further in the woods, indicating possibly that the wild man had moved his quarters and gone into the thicker parts. The most rigid search, however, failed to locate either the man or his new camp. So in spite of everything, the wild man was never captured. The Peak District is a place where we have lots of reports like this. It's also got lots of quarries, and when we get quarries, we get cryptic creature reports. Um, there was one only about three years ago in uh, Robin Hood Lane, if I remember, wintertime, New Year. In our next report, we go to Wales, and I'm going to be heading to Wales in the end of June. If you want to join me, check out my YouTube channel, all the details are on there. An area with a haunting history of its own is Wales. From the dogmen of Mount Snowdon to the Bear Man of the Horseshoe Pass, the reports in Wales are so many, it took me hours to read them all here. I've added a link to my map in the description below if you want to access those reports. Affen Forest Howls. This happened 2018. Up to today, it's ongoing. So, hello, Deb. I'm out often on my daily runs with my dogs. And I started to see some really weird things in the woods where I go. I usually take the dogs into Affen Forest. I make two runs each day with the dogs. Probably five days out of seven we visit this area. So I'm used to being in the forest. I'm used to the sounds and the usual finds. But as of late, I've noticed some strange things going on, as I mentioned earlier. As I have three big dogs and they're too strong to take out all at once, I have to rotate the walk. So I spend a good few hours a week in the woods and my house looks over the river and into the forest, which is totally dark at night. You can't see into the tree line when it's dusk or dark. There have been a couple of times when I've been out in this area when we were confronted with the strong smell of sulphur inside the woods. It's such a horrible stench and it doesn't seem to be from the ground or from any source that I could find. This week, I found the most unlikely piece of woodcraft, which is a tree stump upturned by the wind, and it has a pile of broken branches piled against it to provide a sort of small lean-to shelter. Not randomly like the weather would do, but in as if they'd been stacked to lean against the tree. This part of the forest is quite close to the village, and I would imagine at night, that structure would give you a perfect spy point to watch people in the houses or see who's moving around. It reminds me of the Wyman structure that you've shown, Deb, that was taken by the police in the Peace District when tracking that wild man that scared the women in the villages. 
And the same conclusion was reached that it was some kind of lookout hut or blind. The structure doesn't really provide any cover from the weather. It makes it seem unlikely to be man-made. There's no sign of bracken or any debris cover. It does seem more like a lean-to than a brushgrass shelter. I don't see why it'd be out there in the open for all to see either, so I'm really unsure. I will keep my eyes out now for anything looking out of place. And I found a small stack shack built of twigs and rocks in a ditch near the river in the area where the first shelter is, where my dogs are not comfortable. Now, these are dogs that fear nothing and their body language tells me a lot. And I wouldn't say that they're scared often, but they are scared near that lean-to. They do seem to act in a way they haven't acted before. For instance, for the first time ever, they let me walk in front of them, which has never happened in the seven years I've walked with them. The dogs are usually up the trail ahead of me. And it did appear as if they seemed to be looking at something. I couldn't see it or make it out. Their attention was on the bushes, and I kept looking in that direction too. But I couldn't see anything. And something really strange happened, and I heard a proper howling from the woods. It was around 9pm on Wednesday night and the dogs were out in the garden to go to the loo before I locked up for the night. I was waiting on them and I heard the strangest sound. It was like five long, loud wolf howls, all followed by like a coyote type yapping. My dogs would usually lose it if another dog made a noise near the house. They'd bark and make a lot of noise, but they didn't react how they usually would. They just tipped their heads sideways, as if they were listening. After the house, I was a bit shocked. I dragged them indoors, and it seemed like they didn't want to come in when I called them in. But this night, they wanted to stay outside with howling. It puzzled me what those howls could be. Can't be a wolf or a coyote. We don't have them here in the UK. And a domestic dog would have received an entirely different reaction from my dog's. So I listened to wolfhounds online, and it sounded spot on to me. A perfect match. How did I hear a 100% wolf howl with a kind of added coyote conversation at the end here in the UK? Then two weeks on from the first howling episode, it happened again. I stopped dead when I heard from the woods the absolute same howl as the American werewolf howl you hear on the film. Just one short, deep scream or howl and then silence. So me and the dogs are not going deep into that forest until there's more food around. And just in case, because I'll be honest, the howl was horrible and it froze my stomach. So I'm unsure what to make of all this. I know it's not weather damage. I know it's not human as they're it's mostly there myself most days. And I'd see ground disturbance of people walking in and out or some human sign. Humans are messy. These shelters are not something I've seen in this area before. And the howls I hear still has me a bit spooked. I think the best thing I can do is keep visiting and taking note of any changes that happen. And I'll keep an eye on my dogs and how their behaviour changes and just jot it down. If I find anything weird or things change, I'll make a note of what and when. I actually got an update um, and he said, we were followed through the woods this week in the other area where the A-frames were. 
There was something in the trees all around the loop we did on the first run. And it was there again on the second. There was four tree knocks on the same run. Two together and two in reply. All in areas where it's too dense to go into. And as we came back, I noticed a huge shelter made from living trees and bushes. Now this is not the only strange things I've experienced, he said. And I don't mind if you share them with your listeners. When I was younger, I lived in Hayley in the early 2000s. My dad and I were baffled by a nighttime cry we heard from the fields behind our house. The only way to describe it would be like the noise of a pterodactyl in the movies. It lasted for years on and off before one summer it started to come right up to the house, which was at the end of a large area of unlit farmland. The cry would begin in the distance and it would grow louder as it came closer. The cry lasted five seconds or so, and it grew in pitch at the end. Over and over again, it made this massive loud cry with a gap of about five seconds in between. I could hear the first sheep in the distance as they all bolt across the field. As it flew above the cattle, they would do the same, and they'd stampede across the grass with a loud rumble, and then the horses bolted across the field. Finally, it reached our house. Beyond us, the old graveyard was home to hundreds of rooks. And even late at night, in the pitch dark, they would all take off and make a huge noise. After months of this, I at last managed to see the source of the terror. I waited for about an hour in the garden. Every time I tried to see it, my eyes were coming from a lighted room with the TV on and I'm going straight into the pitch dark, and I was unable to make out anything outside the lights. So instead, I waited outside, and I listened to the stampede as it came closer, and at last it came over the tree line of our garden, and I saw the most enormous owl ever. Its wingspan was clearly wider than my arms, and way over six feet. The body was like a huge fat cat, or a well-fed toddler. And its head was huge, and its eyes were so big, they looked like a cartoon. It'd be about a metre tall, and I couldn't see the colour of its plumage. I saw it regularly while I was living there after that, and I heard it on and off for years after when I visited home. I've no idea what it was. I looked and listened to all the other giant owls, and none looked like it in the noise. There's nothing like it. I've searched all the scary-sounding birds of the world online and there's nothing compared to this creature. I heard a lady on a radio show from the US and she reported the same noise, but that's the only time I've heard anything similar. The most incredible sound that terrified the horses, rooks and livestock was that scream and I was a bit nervous to look it up, If you, to be honest. It kind of reminds me of two reports, this. The Owlman of Mornan, which is Dharma, um, where a number of people see a huge cryptid owl that flies at them in the night. And and then a number of soldiers that were on um, exercises and they heard the beating of wings, but they didn't describe it as an owl. That was more, i say like a Jersey Devil type that. It had a huge windspan and like whole cloven hooves. The lad said, I don't know if this event is connected in any way. But one of my friend's family members had an experience that he found hard to explain close to where I heard those screeching sounds. 
My good friend from the village has an uncle who was a member of a local bike gang. One night they were riding along the road to Stonesfield with about six or seven bikes. As they rode up the hill and came into view, all of these weird trees were there and they slowed down for a storm of leaves and he said it was almost like a tornado. And the wind blows onto the road in front of them and it forced them to stop the bikes and they're looking up at this weird leaf storm that's transforming into a figure. And he described this figure as looking like her and the hunter, surrounded by these flying leaves. He's about 20 feet tall and he roared at them and these bikers turned around and fled. He said there's some huge private estates and woodlands in this area. Uh, there's nothing but fields and farms in between. So there must be many more stories. As I said, it's big cat central around Burford. And there are some secret stories of much rarer animals in some of the local villages. One of those villages is Charlborough. And it's one area where a local investigator has found a number of structures like huts, large X's, strange woodland finds, stones and bones placed in trees. It's also an area where large black dogs are often known as shucks are said to be seen. What are these structures? I mean, they don't seem to be much of a shelter at all to me. They don't protect from the elements in any way. They're not tucked away out of sight as you'd think a hut or a home of something elusive would be. I've puzzled over this question so many times and answers still evade me. I suppose until we have irrefutable evidence of a cryptid creature manipulating or building a structure, we're just going to have to keep on wondering. I mean, I really wish there was an easy answer to this puzzle. It would make my life a lot easier. So if you're out and about walking the dog or with the family in the woods this week and you see something really strange, watch the bushes around you. You may just be being watched by an unseen creature. Good night, everyone.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.